CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. It's uh, good to hear from you. If you'd like to give us a call, give us a call one eighty eight eighty eight ask csn Mike, are you there? Yes, and thank you, Daryl, for filling Happy in day. for me. That, that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, so many wires, and they yes, get crossed so up. <laughs> and, and once again, just as Daryl said, if you've been reading your Bible, sharing your faith, come across a question you don't understand, hey, we just want to encourage you to give us a call, and we'll do our very best to answer those questions for you. Again, we're living in exciting times. I don't know how many people have seen uh, Jesus' revolution, but uh, it's incredible. I think right now, so far, it's like made like $50 million or something, which I think is really incredible because Hollywood says, we don't get it, we don't understand, shows you how out of touch Hollywood really is with the American people. You see, if they're not peddling their junk, uh, they don't know what to do. But uh, interesting how well it it works. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, uh, as we look back to the timetable of uh, that great revival that took place, we're really a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit for people's salvation. Uh, it's it's tremendous, it's a tremendous time. And I, as 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 we look at the last days we're living in and all of the things that are happening throughout our world. I think it's time for another wave of God to just take place across not only these United States, but into the whole world and bring many, many souls to salvation. Folks, it's it's up to all of us to be a part of this great work of God. We are the body of Christ. He's empowered us by the Holy Spirit. We have the beautiful gospel message of salvation, and it, it's up to us to invite family and friends to either go to the movie or come uh, always to come to church and grow in God's word, hear God's word, and be blessed by God's word. Uh, the people are searching in all the wrong directions these days. And uh, as we look to God's word and the Lord Jesus and all he has done and is doing and will do for us, he is the answer to all things in life. He's the answer to eternal life. He's the answer to forgiveness of sin, getting rid of our guilt and our shame and giving us a brand new life. I love, Mike, I love the passage that says, you're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's just a marvelous passage as you know you're forgiven, and now you have a new walk with God, and you have a new heavenly, you have your heavenly Father who's going to take over for your life, who's going to bless you and help you, and the Lord Jesus is going to guide us and empower us and use us. And we have a, a, a bridegroom, and we're the bride, 
It's it's a marvelous thing that the gospel message that we've now received and now declare. Mike, I'll give it back to Amen. you. Amen. No, it's true. And uh, many of you are familiar with Daryl's program, Chosen Generation, comes on morning times here on CSN. And uh, Daryl, I'm, I'm very grateful that you took some time away from your very busy schedule there and uh, joined us here today. Looking forward to answering some questions with you. Again, the number to call, 8888-ASK-CSN, and we'll get to your question today. We've got a couple lines open, by the way, so if you want to call right now, you're sure to get on. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN. CSM. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Ron on the line, Prescott, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Good afternoon, Pastors uh, Mike and Dell. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 4, the last two lines, it says, what is his name and what is his son's name? How could they know what the name of the son was in Solomon's time? Great question. Your thoughts, Daryl? Well, you know, we have to realize, too, that the Spirit of God is writing through men the Word of God, and the Spirit of God is ministering to their hearts. And as we look to even with Abraham and Isaac, his son being taken to Mount Moriah and to be sacrificed, and yet he's pulled off the altar there, and the ram in the thicket is caught and is sacrificed, this this uh, sonship of that we see in the Scriptures is also found in the book of Daniel. And Nebuchadnezzar saw a fourth man in the uh, fiery furnace with the three Hebrew children, and he says, "Is as if it's the son of it's the son of man, the son of God." And so, it's the spirit of God that ministers. It's the spirit of God that writes the scriptures for our learning. It also says in Psalm two, which is another fascinating passage, just a little bit back there, and it talks about you must kiss the sun uh, as the nations of the world are gathered there at the end times. And and there's going to be judgment. Psalm 2 is a powerful passage dealing with the last days. And it says to kiss the sun, to worship the sun, uh, S-O-N, that is, of course. And so we see this throughout the scriptures. God given us insight from the Old Testament to the New on who the Son, who the Son of God will ultimately be and what he will ultimately do. And we know that that is totally unveiled as Jesus fulfilled 456 prophecies from the Old Testament in his first coming, and it's uh, this is the, the the powerful work of God. You know, it says in Revelation that the spirit of the the test the spirit of of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ, and that's that's what we see. And so God is unveiling slowly but surely the truth that He has for us. Mike, I'll give it back to you. Amen. And and you know, we look at this, and if you look at the beginning of this uh, chapter, just a couple verses back, it says the words of Agur the son of Jacob, his utterance. And notice that it says, Surely I'm more foolish than any other man and do not have the understanding of a man. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. Now here's where your question comes in. Who has ascended to heaven or descended? Who's gathered the wind in his fist? Who has bound the waters in his garment? Who has established the ends of the earth? What is his name and his son's name, if you know? It is interesting that this man who claims that he doesn't have a knowledge of God or things holy understands that there is a God and this God has a son. Now, isn't that funny that the Bible says God has written on men's hearts his law? Now, we may want to be in violation of that law. Why is it that we know it's wrong to kill somebody? Because we know we don't want to be killed. 
And when we begin to understand how great this is, that God has put within man, even unregenerated man, a desire or that understanding that there is a God, and there's a little more to God than just a God, that there's a son who would die for us someday. And so when you look at the whole picture in context here, you find that it's really speaking of even a person and again, Proverbs is that wonderful book of, of wisdom and understanding, uh, when, as, as Solomon is addressing his kids in the first part of the book, he says, you as a king's kid will know how to behave and, and perform in public. I really believe again, when we see these others that chime in on this, even the foolish man knows deep in his heart there is a God. So, um, I hope that helps. Okay, thank you very much, pastors. God bless you. Ron, God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Rusty in Nampa, Idaho. I welcome. Good evening, pastors. Question is, uh, why is it when we have an impure thought, we are guilty as if we acted on it, but when we have faith without works, it is not the thought that counts? Okay, great question. Your thoughts, Daryl. Now, I'm sorry, we're guilty when we have a bad thought? What was the last part of your, your statement? But faith without works, uh, we're not, it's not the thought that counts. Um, when you have faith without works, you can't, uh, have thoughts and prayers and have, uh, righteousness accredited to you or have faith accredited to you. It requires an action. Why does it not work the uh, other way? Well, I think everything about us is accredited to us when we do good, where we're doing what is to glorify God. You know, it's interesting in Matthew 25, we have the parable of the talents. And and the the one guy has five, and he invests in the kingdom of God. He gets five back for doing good works. And Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. There's another one has two, invested gets two. And so what we find is, whether it be good thoughts or good deeds uh, or good speech, we are accredited because God is working in us to develop us into his image. And that image is the image of Christ. Now, the Bible declares that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and goodness and faithfulness, righteousness and truth and, and so forth, self-control. And as we are bearing the fruit of the Spirit in heart, in mind, in spirit, uh, in soul, rather, and then and then in life, uh, it's all accredited to us. And, you know, the Bible says at the beam of seat of Christ, we're going to be, it's not a place of judgment, it's a place of reward. We're going to be rewarded for everything. Yeah, Jesus said this. He says, love the Lord mm-hmm. your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And so as we do these things, we're always accredited for all those things. Now, when we have the evil thoughts or evil actions, what's the Bible teaches us to do? It wants us to repent of it and say, hey, try to get rid of these thoughts and, and eliminate them from your mind. Now, they do come and go all the time. Uh, sometimes you just come in, you don't know where it came from, but you just go, where'd that thought come from, right? And, and other times you can dwell on evil thoughts or evil, have an evil mind or jealousy or pride or envy or lust, whatever it might be. And then we realize, I need to repent of this way of thinking or way of speaking or way of doing. And we, I need to get right with the Lord. And God's grace and mercies are always there for us as we look to First John 1, 9 and 10. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mike, I'll hand it over to you. Amen. Amen. And, and just to have uh, an evil thought, as you said earlier, why is it that if we have an evil thought, it's thin, sin? Uh, why is it that if we have good thoughts, that that wouldn't be counted as righteousness? Well, again, it's our actions. And again, 
everybody gets tempted. That's why we have to understand we don't want to give in to those things. So everybody gets thoughts, but it's what we do with those thoughts. And uh, I believe that that goes back to the motive and the intent of the heart. So in other words, it's we're, we're all going to have opportunities to sin, but that we don't do that. All of us are going to have opportunities to do good and to bless and to worship God. That doesn't mean we always do it, though. So again, it's where your actions uh, engage your thoughts. That's where it's either a blessing or sin. I hope that helps. Absolutely. I enjoy the clarity on that. So I appreciate it. You guys keep up the good work. I love what you guys do. And God bless you guys. Rusty, God, bless, God you. bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Stay online, send you out some books, some DVDs, and the movie Jesus. Great for evangelism. Let's go to Jason in Pocatello, Idaho. Hi, welcome. Hi, thanks for taking my question here. Uh, it's a simple one. Um, I hear you guys say often, preach the word to every creature. And why does the Bible use the word creature? Because I don't really believe we're a restored human being until we have the Spirit of God born in us. Um, it's not talking about going out and preaching to the dogs and cats and lions and tigers and bears. But what it's talking about there is until a person is really born again, they're still lost and dead in their sins. And you're not really, uh, again, God's desire, he made us in his image. But when that spirit of God that was in us, that sensitivity towards the Lord died in the garden. We've been dead ever since. That's why Jesus said in John 3, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again, because we have to have that back in to be a completely restored human being individual. It's interesting. Paul uses an interesting word uh, in Corinthians. He says, you are yet carnal in your beliefs. Now, he's addressing a group of Christians. But what's really interesting there, that word carnal can also be interpreted animalistic. You're yet animalistic in your relationship with God. What does an animal do? Whatever it feels like doing. No moral conscience. And this is one of the great problems that we find universally in humankind. You look at uh, the torture, the, the wars, all these barbaric acts people do. You say, how could any human being be this bad? It's pretty much what a creature does. Pretty much what an animal does. Whatever it wants to do. Daryl, your thoughts? Yeah, the the word creature is speaking of uh, going into the Greek uh, understanding is, is like the original creation, if you will, of who we are. Uh, speak to every creature, all of God's created beings, which is us as humanity. Uh, we were made in the image of God back in the, you know, Genesis there, we were made in the image of God and then we sinned and, and, uh, and now we, we no longer worship the creature, but we are to worship the creation. We don't worship ourselves. We don't worship each other's, each other, nor do we worship, worship any other creature, but we are the original, uh, mankind that was given the breath of life. We became a living being. And, and now we, we fell into sin and we've been separated from God. And now we need to go from really that creature into becoming the body, part of the body of Christ, the family of God. We become born again of the Holy Spirit. We're now a new creation in Christ and he's working in us and through us. 
And so, uh, so, uh, it's just kind of, uh, just a, uh, original language kind of thing of, of what we originally are. We're the creature that's now been changed into that which is born again from heaven. And now we're changed into the image of Christ. Mike? Yeah. And I think it's interesting that the translators use that word, uh, to, to really, um, identify that until we really come to a full understanding of Christ, we're, we're not where we should be. Uh, and, and so I hope that shines some light on it. Thanks, Dale, for your, your, your comments there as well. Because again, it's speaking of humanity as a whole, but humanity as a whole is, is devoid of God. They're, they have a dead spirit. That's why Jesus again said, you must be born again. There's something wrong with human beings. Hope that helps, Jason. It does. I appreciate it. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks bless. so much for the call. Stay on the line. We'll send you out some books, DVDs. Great for evangelism again. Let's go to Michael, Tacoma, Washington. Hi, and welcome. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have two questions. Are I trying to ask two questions or just one question? Go ahead. Uh, you. Yeah, um, so my first question is, um, I've been... Um, I, I need to know is is there any archaeological evidence found to support the Exodus story? Yes, there's a lot. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a video available at CSN called Exodus Revealed. But what is really interesting about this particular uh, video is here in the middle, at the bottom of the Red Sea, they found hordes of four-spoke chariot wheels. Now, this is a recent archaeological discovery, hordes of these four-spoke chariot wheels. Well, what happened? Did a cargo ship dump them off by accident, or what happened here? Well, what's noteworthy is four-spoke chariot wheels were unique to the dynasty in which Moses was in Egypt. And there is no logical explanation of how these chariot wheels got in the bottom of the Red Sea at the time exactly when, uh, under that pharaoh, they were using four-spoke chariot wheels. Now, different ones, they use discs sometimes, solid chariot wheel. Sometimes they would have six spokes, uh, eight spokes, whatever. But that particular uh, arrow was four-spoke, and that's what they find in the bottom of the Red Sea, which is exactly what the Bible says when Moses held his staff out and the waters closed on the armies of Egypt. Another astounding fact is that after that time, that time of Pharaoh's army being drowned in the sea, Egypt's world power never returned. They they had conquered some areas and stuff, but during the time of Joseph, uh, of the Great Famine, they were the world-governing empire at the time, but they never achieved that after Exodus. Uh, we find that they were controlled uh, either by Greece or or whatever, but they never ascended back to the power that they had before. We find other archaeological evidence as well, of course, um, and again, in Exodus Revealed, it goes into great depth on that. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, also the pyramids uh, built by the slaves, the Hebrew slaves there in Egypt, uh, made with mud and straw. That's, that's been found in Egypt. Uh, I understand there's been skeletal remains of uh, 
small children all in one box and so forth, which uh, Pharaoh had commanded that all the male babies be killed uh, throughout uh, throughout Egypt, uh, male Hebrew babies be killed throughout Egypt because the the Hebrews were multiplying too much. And of course, we know the story of Moses being put in that little basket with pitch and then floated down the Nile River and then taken in and grew up 40 years in the Pharaoh's home and then 40 years in the wilderness and 40 years as a deliverer for the children of Israel. So there's there's much evidence thereof. Also that I, I really do like, uh, Mike and I would both highly recommend that Exodus Revealed video. You can probably go online and see it as well as uh, receive it from uh, 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 Tim Man and Answer here. But it's it's quite a uh, it's a great video. And actually, underneath the the Red Sea, there's actually a narrow pathway of which goes from one side to the other side to Saudi Arabia, and it's uh, uh, it's uh, it's quite fascinating. You see, that would would have been easily for the children of Israel to travel across as God would have parted the Red Sea, and then of course, as Mike just shared about the chariot wheels and so forth that are found on the on the the bottom of the uh, of the sea there. So uh it's it's a great it's a great video and then it goes into uh Saudi Arabia towards Sinai what would be Mount Sinai it shows the uh there's some uh, mountains over there of which uh, it's believed that Moses received the 10 commandments it says that there, you can see that they're charred at the top of the mountain as as God's uh uh fire was there as well as uh there there's it talks about the palm trees that were there in places of water and where they, where the water would have come, and they, they would have, from the rock. Uh, it's a great video, and it's it's good to uh, they've done, done some great archaeological work over there, some great exploration and investigation, and the evidence is 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 there uh, for the for the entire Exodus. It's a it's a powerful powerful uh, video documentary. Mike, hope that helps. Yeah, do I have time to ask another question? Sure. So another question is like, um, how, how do we know that the, you know, uh, the books that we have in the Bible, that um, there shouldn't be um, extra books like this? One guy I was talking about, he was saying that, well, the uh, book of First Maccabees, and he was saying that he thinks that that is scripture. So what, I mean, what, how did we get our Bible and how do we know that? No, there's this books that are not. I mean, the, what we have in the Bible is the is is the true word, and and not that there's other books that are not in the Bible that should be in the Bible. Well, first of all, if you just read the Apocrypha, which uh, contains uh, the, the 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 books of the Maccabees, um, historically, I think they have some value. Scripturally speaking, though, speaking that this is the inspired word of God, uh, you can tell by reading it there's something lacking. And some of the other uh, apocryphal books, I mean, when you read How to Cast Out a Demon, this is this goes to the stratosphere on this stuff. Never found anywhere in Scripture. Jesus never quoted from any of these books. Now, there is a quotation in the book of Jude that says that, uh, that Enoch saith the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. However, that is not giving any credibility to the book of Enoch. Uh, because of these reasons. One, Enoch was not written way back when Enoch was alive. Most people put it around 800 uh, BC, but that is not the, the, the book of Enoch from Enoch. Uh, 
Um, and then when you read Enoch, you begin to realize something's amiss here. There's things that are goofy. So, again, the early church fathers, you know, there's the book of Barnabas and the book of Judas and, and the gospel of Mary and all these other ones. Junk then, junk now. Just because a book is old and talks about God doesn't make it authentic. Those early church fathers went over these books. They looked and seen the authenticity, what their mistakes in it. Again, they were close to the, to uh, many of these events. If it was junk then, it's junk now. And there's a lot of really good resources out there on how we got our Bible. Your thoughts? Yeah. You know, when we look at the Apocrypha, it, it wasn't accepted by the, the Jews that put together the Old Testament as what they felt is inspired by God. You also find that Jesus and the, the apostles were not quoting from those books as they've quoted from the other books of the Old Testament. All the books were quoted from except for Esther, which is more of a historical type of book with an event that took place with the intervention of God and and so forth. Also in the apocryphal books, you discover that there's many... Um, uh, it lacks historical accuracies as well as uh, uh, geographical accuracies. Uh, there's some myths, legends in these books and so forth. So there's some history, but it's it's lacking in the what we call inspiration, which would mean it would be part of the canon of Scripture and pointing towards the person of Jesus Christ, the Savior. Whereas you read, uh, you have the Law of Moses you know, it's interesting. When Jesus resurrected, he shared with the disciples in his resurrection. It says he shared with them from the law, from the Psalms, and from the prophets. So he was pretty much laying it out for us what we needed to pay attention to, the law, the Psalms, and the prophets. And none of these other books, uh, the apocryphal books, are really mentioned by the apostles, by Jesus, uh, or quoted from as we read the, the scriptures in the New Testament. And thus, they are considered to be uninspired, interesting, but uninspired. It's not something we want to embrace and follow as God's holy word. Mike? Amen. I hope that helps. Yes, that does. Thank you so much. Stay online. Send you out some books, some DVDs. I think they may answer some more of your questions. I think you'll enjoy that. Stay online. We'll send you the movie Jesus as well. Stay on the line. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Mark, Henderson, Nevada. Hi, and welcome. Hi, good well, wait, Mark, we're coming up on a break. Wow, I didn't catch that. Man, time flies when you're having fun. We are coming up on that break. We don't want you to go away. Michael, Eloy, we'll all come back. And uh, again, that number to call, 8888-ASK-CSN. We'll be back for more right after this. Hey, this is Brant along with Sherry here. And so you hear me doing these spots for MediShare? And Sherry actually helps me with them. I get people actually in person saying, okay, Brent, for real, do you recommend this? Like, yeah, uh, for real, I actually do. I'm not just saying stuff. So family, friends ask me about it. I'm like, yes, you should look into this. It's really a great option for a lot of people. That's what I tell people. My experience has been, MediShare has been fantastic for me. Yeah. It, it's so different from health insurance in a lot of great ways, honestly. It, yeah. And let's see, a lot of people who've switched tell me that it's the same reaction. They're very, very happy with it. And it gives them peace of mind and saves them a lot of money. I would tell people, look into it. Yep. Uh, so really for reals, uh, if you want to talk to them, they're great to talk to. I think you'll be impressed and happy you looked into it. So 
Um, you do the phone number. I'm actually tired of doing all the phone numbers. <laughs> okay. Do Call now. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Nice job. Thanks. Does the Bible seem too big, complicated, and overwhelming? There's a free Bible resource that's been around for more than 25 years and is used and trusted by millions worldwide. The Enduring Word Bible Commentary by David Guzik is a clear and simple way for everyday Christians and even seasoned Bible teachers to study God's Word. David's commentary not only breaks down the entire Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, it also provides helpful quotes from well-known Bible expositors throughout history. The commentary has also been translated into many languages, including Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, and more. Find the Enduring Word Bible Commentary as well as a free downloadable e-book called The King's Kingdom, a deeper look at the Sermon on the Mount by David Guzik at EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. That's EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. Welcome you back to part two of To Every Man and Answer here on this Thursday afternoon with Daryl Skinner. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And we're going to go right back to the phones again if you want to be part of the program today. 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. Got some lines open. Let's go to Mark Henderson, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Hi, pastors. Uh, good afternoon, and thank you for taking my call. And thank you for sharing your wisdom with the children of God. Uh, my question is regarding Matthew 15. Uh, 21 through 28, a Gentile shows her faith. And uh, specifically when Jesus says to her, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. What, what exactly is he, is he saying there? Well, that's based upon what he said earlier, where he said, I have not come uh, except for the lost house, uh, uh, the tribe, tribes of Israel. That's what he was talking about. In other words, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I've come to redeem Israel first, then the rest of the world will follow, but them first. And the Samaritan woman, uh, it's not good to take the bread and give it to puppies. The, the word there is little dogs. If you'll notice, it says little dogs, but it's talking about puppies. He's not calling her a dog. But then she said, yeah, but true, Lord, but even the little puppies eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. She wasn't going to go away. And Jesus answered and said to her, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done as you desire. So God reached his hand out to her. But when we understand that Jesus was the bread of life to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. And um, at that moment, they had not crucified Christ. And so they hadn't completely rejected their Messiah. But we do know that that uh, Jesus primarily came first to the house of Israel. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree 100%. It's not a, these are not harsh terms by our Lord. He, he's not calling, like Mike says, she's not, he's not calling her a dog. He's just using this expression uh, to throw the crumbs to the little little dogs and so forth, and then he, what, what, what Jesus always likes to do he likes to draw people's faith out of them, and he's developing this conversation with her to draw out her desires, her true heart, 
What does she really want? This is a Syrophoenician woman. Uh, she's not Jewish. And so he's he's working with her and her understanding, and he's touching her heart. Jesus, we know, wants to save everybody. But he also wants that faith to be sure and to be true and, and to be sincere. And so he has these types of conversations with people. And as Mike shared, too, the gospel is to go to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. When we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of, on the day of Pentecost or the Feast of Pentecost, we see that uh, that the it's three three thousand Jews were saved from all the nations of the world. They gathered for that feast, so the gospel goes to them. It went to the apostles, then to these these folks at Pentecost. Then it's going to spread throughout Judea and then up into uh, into Samaria. Uh, half Jew, half half Gentile, and then it's going to head off into the uttermost parts of the earth. As and that's that's what Jesus said would take place. You'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and then Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's in Acts one eight. And this is this is what the Bible declares because all the prophecies were given for the Jewish people to receive. Unfortunately, the majority of them have rejected those Jewish prophets uh, from Moses on through their prophets and so forth. And they don't see Jesus as their savior. They were looking for a conqueror instead of a savior. This was their greatest problem. And yet God's going to deal with his people once again in the tribulation period. We have 144,000 Jews be preaching the gospel once again. And it's going to be an exciting time for the Jewish people. A time of trial, Jacob's trouble, it says. But a lot of people are going to be saved. And their eyes will be open to the truth of Jesus Christ as their savior. Mike? Hope that answers it for you. Yes, thank thank you very much. God bless you, my friend. God bless you, and uh, stay online if you like. Send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, uh, God of Wonders, Evolution versus God, a little book called Time to Grow, 101 Last Days Prophecies, and the movie Jesus. Stay online. We'll get those out to you. Mark, thanks so much again for the call. Let's go to Connie Palmdale, California. Hi, welcome. Hello. Uh, I just value your uh, wisdom in knowing the scripture and all the uh, pastors you have on your program. And I just needed to tell you that, first of all. And my question has been about Calvinism. And uh, there are so many pastors that uh, profess Calvinism and even some that uh, are so uh, renowned, like R.C. Sproul and and, uh, so many others. But my my, uh, question is this. There's so many interpretations nowadays and, and what we're to believe. I go to a Calvary Chapel uh, church, and there is a, a book by Catherine Voss, who is a, a author, but her husband, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was a German. His name was um, Ger, Gerhoff Voss, and he was a renowned uh, Calvinism author and teacher. Can you tell me anything about him? They- well, I can't tell you anything about him, but but the problem is, is that when we look at the entirety of Scripture, um, when we look at all the verses that bring, I believe, balance to any thought we might have or any verse we might want to highlight, it forces us to change our theology. And a lot of people go to the Bible with a preconceived idea and then only really 
look at the verses that enforce that idea. Now, the Bible talks about us being predestined, to whom he foreknew, all those verses. That is all spoken from God living in all times present. We find this in Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 22, other places in the Bible where he says, I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last, all present tense. Now that's pretty, pretty amazing, first of all, to read that. But that's why the Bible is, is uh, so full of prophecy. God lives in all times present. So God then ultimately knows who will choose him and who won't choose him. But I don't believe just because God has foreknowledge didn't give every person that's ever been born on this planet the right to choose. And to say that God predestined you to go to hell, what a cruel God that is. I, I, I couldn't even go witnessing. If that w- is, if that's the, the, the heart of this God of theirs, because uh, no wonder they don't have altar calls. No wonder they don't preach the gospel to every creature. They only preach it to the predestinated ones. Whoa. No, that isn't what Jesus said. He said we preach it to every creature, all of, all of humanity. Um, look at Revelation 22. The spirit and the bride say, come. Those who are thirst, they say, come. It, it, the, the door of invitation is open to everyone. Well, uh, many are called, but few are chosen. But God called everybody. God wants to choose everyone. For God so loved the world that whosoever would believe in him. But not everybody chooses God. Not everybody wants God. And so the problem isn't on God's behalf, the God's an ogre that sends people to hell without them having anything to say or do about it. But it's because we have rebelled against God just as Lucifer did and his and his fallen angels. Your thoughts? You know, it's interesting. I don't know how the church survived without Calvin in the first century. <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, Jesus didn't say preach Calvinism. We don't find Calvinism preached in the book of Acts. We don't have instructions in regards to Calvinism in the epistles. But we have sound biblical doctrine about our salvation, about the Trinity, about the deity of Christ, about the blood atonement, about justification by faith, uh, about spreading the gospel and so forth. It's, it's, it's interesting that, uh, when you look at the first preacher of the Bible, his name is Peter, of course, that when I say that, I'm talking about the, as they're filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Listen to what he says. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children, to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. He didn't once mention Calvinism. He's preaching the gospel message. And then it says, With many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That was a gospel message. That was an evangelical message. That was a message of salvation. Uh, Philip is called an evangelist. We're to evangelize the world. We're to preach the gospel. We're to lead people to Christ. And and as, as we do that, we're doing the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ. Preach the gospel to every creature. We talked about that question earlier. To every creature, to every person. Uh, and what I, what I find much frustration over is this. It seems like so many that are so steeped in Calvinism, they want to go into other churches and try to convert people to Calvinism. 
And we're not called to convert anyone to Calvinism or anybody else. Am I have Paul? Am I have Cephas? Am I have Apollos? God forbid. Is, is Christ divided? No. We are to preach Jesus Christ crucified for our sins, resurrected from the grave, so that all who believe in him can receive everlasting life. We can be born again of the Holy Spirit. Let's get back to the Bible and preach the fullness of the Bible, not just because we look at a, one passage and think it should say this, this is how people are saved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He so loved the world he gave. It's available for the whole world, that message of salvation. And and uh, the rest is up to the Lord on who's saved and who's not saved. And we'll, we can be fruit inspectors and see the fruit of their salvation uh, and and so forth. But no matter what, we're to preach the cross of Christ for it is the power of God and the salvation. So this is where I, I just really try to encourage people is forget that other stuff. Just go to the Bible and follow what Jesus did. Follow what the book of Acts, the apostles in the book of Acts did. And then follow the instructions of the epistles and you can't go wrong. Mike, I give it back to Amen. you. Amen. Amen. Hope that helps, Chuck. Or excuse well, me, Connie. I agree with everything that you said, which is all biblical. But I think about Second Corinthians eleven four. For if that someone comes and proclaims another Jesus other than the one I have proclaimed to you, it kind of gives me a okay. Uh, so I have this book by Catherine Voss who was a Calvinist. Do I embrace the book and teach it to my children at church? <laughs> well, I just think there's so many better books out there that that. If there's a book that is teaching what I would say is an aberrant uh, message, gospel message, well, that if if you were put on this earth to go to hell, there ain't nothing you can do about it. That's Calvinism, man. That's not the Bible. That's why it's a Calvinism, like Mormonism. All these isms, schisms are out there. They're not. It's not the Bible. That's otherwise it'd be normal Christianity, but it isn't Christianity. It's something wrong with it. Thus, it has a special name. Well, you got to be careful when we see stuff like that. And I feel if if people are that off on the very basics of of a salvation message, what other areas are they off in? Now, I know I might be making people pretty upset right now, but people teach their their church dogma rather than the Bible, mm. and that's what we're having today. In, in at the church at large, well, our denomination teaches. I don't care what your denomination teaches. What does the Bible say? Go preach the gospel to every creature, whosoever will may come. Some man says no, no, no. Not everybody can come. Just the predestined ones. Everybody else is going to hell because God destined them to go to hell. What kind of a monster God is that? That's some God that I have never known. People say God is love. Well, what kind of love is that? And do I get upset when I hear this kind of stuff? Yes, because I've talked to people that said, well, I went and, and, and somebody just said, well, I'm, I'm destined to go to hell. There's nothing I can do about it. You know, I, I look at that false doctrine always leaves its ungodly mark on a person's soul. It just does. And to say, people, God deliberately is sending them to hell. No, friends, that is a lie. Whosoever will may come, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever, that means anyone, would believe in him, 
would not perish, but have everlasting life. Daryl, I don't think it can get any simpler than that. <laughs> Mike, if I could uh, speak to our dear sister, is this, you know, it, it's best not to use uh, other books to do a yeah, class exactly. with anybody. We have 66 beautiful books in the Bible. Just pick one of those and teach that book of the Bible. And you know, you're dealing with the full inspired word of God. And, and the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword. It is our spiritual weapon against the enemy. Paul says it's the sword of the spirit. Jesus fought against the devil. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. Psalmist tells us that it's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Uh, the word of God has counsel. The word of God has comfort. The word of God has exhortation. The word of God has encouragement. The word of God has hope. The word of God brings us salvation. Jesus is the word. Amen. So just grab a book of the Bible and whatever kids you're teaching, teach them that book of the Bible. Do your very best. And, and God will always bless his book, his, his, his word. The word of God will not come back void, we're told. Amen. So go Amen. for God. And any other auxiliary books, I really don't pay a whole lot of attention to those all those auxiliary books that people write. Uh, I just pay attention to the one book. It's called the Bible. And then just teach through it, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And, and I know that God is happy with that. He multiplies his word. He multiplies his word, it says. And the Bible says in the book of Acts, the word of God was taught some 40 times. It was taught or preached. It says 40 different times through the book of Acts. So what is the message we're receiving? Teach the Bible. Don't get into all these other books that people write and they think they've got some new uh, secret knowledge they're unveiling. Just get to the book, the Bible itself, and just preach it and teach it, and you'll be blessed by the Lord. Amen. Mike? Amen. Hope that helps, Connie. Again, the the gospel message, Jesus said, except a man becomes a child, he'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. The gospel message is not hard. It's where we recognize we're a sinner, we need to be saved, and God saves us. That's all there is to it. And then we have a Father in heaven, not a relationship with my denomination or a relationship with my, with my uh, uh, church. We have a relationship with God, and we call him Father. He's not unknowable. He's there at the very time of need. Stay in line, Connie. We'll send out some books and BVDs, okay? Okay. Thank you so much. Connie, God bless you, and thanks so much for the call. You know, I, I hate to get upset over that, but, you know, when I, I, I hear any group of people excluding humanity from going to heaven because of some kooky idea, again, don't fault God because he knows the beginning from the end, who makes it and who doesn't. That doesn't take away any person's freedom right now to choose him or to reject him. Let's go to Michael, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hi, how you guys doing? Um, Good. How can we help? Was, you were, my question was, you guys were talking to a guy just a little while ago about the uh, the woman who came to Jesus and he called her a dog. No, and he called were, her a puppy. He called her a little puppy. Well, where does it say that? Well, I'll read it to you. A dog? Well, yeah, but it, it's it's an endearment type of message. In fact, Jesus even said that. And let me just read it to you here. He says, verse 26, but he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and and throw it to the little dogs, the little dogs. And, and uh, again, I believe that's why he mentioned it that way. He wasn't calling her a dog. 
He was to the puppies. Now, the puppies will eventually grow up, and the message eventually would be preached to them as well. But here, his initial focus was to preach to the house of Israel. But I think it's interesting this woman would not take no for an answer. And that's where the faith came in. And that's when Jesus said to her, your faith, uh, great is your faith, let it be done as you desire. And so uh, Jesus didn't condemn her. He just said that was not the original purpose why he came. Daryl, your thoughts? Yeah, this is an illustration that Jesus is using. He's not <laughs> referring to her as a dog, but it's an illustration. He says, to take from the little children and cast it to the dogs, uh, the little puppies, uh, and so forth. So it's not, it's not a harsh term. It's an endearing term. Everybody loves little dogs and so forth. And, but he's using this illustration. You don't steal from your children and cast it to your dog, right? You, you're not going to eat kids. I might cast you because the gospel was to go to the Jews first. That's what the message was always to the Jew first for the Jewish prophets, the Jewish people. And then it was going to go to the Gentiles, but she's engaging herself. She's coming to faith. Jesus is a Jewish Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. But all the the prophecies were pointing toward this Yeshua HaMashiach, uh, Jesus who's the Messiah. And that's what he's saying as he's come to the Jews first, and then it goes to the Gentiles. And this is a Syrophoenician woman, but it's just a simple illustration. It's not a, a demeaning or harsh illustration against her. And then she she responds by saying, I can't believe you called me a dog. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> she says, you know, but even, what to say? She said, yes, Lord, and even little dogs, little puppies, if you want to put it that way, eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, now he really compliments her on this. She says, oh, woman. He didn't say, oh, dog. Oh, woman. Great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Again, Jesus brings us to the fullness of faith. That's what he wants. He don't want half faith. He don't want partial faith. He didn't want just to heal, just to heal to heal his entertainment. He wants her to come to true faith in him. And she did. Mike? Amen. I hope that helps. Well, um, he still, in fact, called or like used a. No, he called her a little puppy. No, he called her a puppy. That's what it says. And by the way, I don't know if you've ever been around little children with puppies. They're one of the most endearing things you'll ever see is a child with a puppy. <laughs> they just, they'll just crawl up in their lap and lick their face and everything like that. So no, uh, um, if, if he wanted to call her a dog, he would have called her a dog. He's called her a little, little dog, a puppy is what that word is in the original language. And so we'll just leave it at that. I don't want to yes. add to God's word. We can't be calling her a dog when God didn't say that. He said, little puppy. Okay. Hope that helps. And with that, Michael, hope that helps. Stay in line. We'll send you out a book, a couple of DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy. Let's go to Eloy, Las Vegas. Hi and welcome. Hi. How may we help? Yeah. We're um, here. How can we help you? Yeah. I asked a question about um, preachers or pastors calling themselves apostles or evangelists or prophets and use it in their title, you know, like, I'm the evangelist Tim, or I'm the prophet George, or whatever the name may be. But 
I was just wondering if that's biblical or is that something they do on their own or is that like a a piece of paper that you can get, you know, like a like a certificate, like a degree, say. Well, the word apostle means the sent one is what it means. Now, I believe there are sent ones today, little a apostle. I do not believe there are additions to the original 12, capital A apostle. And today we find people going and standing up and telling people that they're a capital A apostle. And you'll usually find when they do this, they're in some way twisting or adding to God's word. And that is a very, very dangerous thing that they do. Now, as far as being a set one, yeah, we're a set one. Uh, is there anything wrong with wearing the title such as evangelist Billy Graham or whatever? No, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. But when we get into sometimes the idea of apostle being that it can carry two different identities, one, one of the original that followed Christ, an eyewitness of Jesus Christ, one of the 12, or a set one, which I believe we all are as well. Your thoughts? Yeah, Ephesians 4 declares, for he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for edifying the body of Christ. So as we look to this, we recognize that Jesus has certain callings, certain giftings on people's lives. We have the original apostles that we read about in the course, you know, with Jesus and then, and then the book of Acts. We find that Paul the apostle refers himself as apostle called out of due time, which is, which is because he's going to the Gentiles ministering and God has really gifted him tremendously, be a church planter and discipler and so forth. And he saw the Lord, uh, uh, in, in his, in his state of going to the road to Damascus, if you will. He's surrounded by great light, knocked down off of his horse and blinded. And then he gets his eyesight back and so forth. The other apostles actually saw the Lord Jesus in, in his life, his death, his resurrection. Uh, but the, many times guys get caught up in titles. I'm not big on titles. Uh, you know what? I'm an under shepherd to the chief shepherd. Just going to be teaching the word of God. I'm a pastor teacher. And uh, if people get saved, praise the Lord. We've been evangelizing as, as Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist, right? Preach the word, teach the word, do the work of an evangelist. This is what we have. Titles are unimportant. Uh, just call me Daryl. I'm good to go. And, uh, let's just preach the gospel together and go for God. Mike. Amen. Amen. I hope that helps you, Lloyd. If you don't mind. Pardon? I said I have a a second question, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. The question is about genealogy. I'm into genealogy. I've been tracing my family's roots back in the 1600s and so on. But my question is, a lot of my family are doing, you know, these DNA tests and whatnot. And I've even had one family member say that they they traced their genealogy back to the tribes, you know, the, the tribes that left Egypt. Well, they might, you might have Jewish blood in you. And by the way, we're out of time. And I want to say uh, for Paula and and Curtis and Victoria, please call us back. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. The Bible says to avoid endless genealogies. It can cause problems. But to find your roots out, maybe not always a bad idea. We're out of time. God bless y'all. Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 